Podcast number two, Team Foundation Server 2008, What's New and Should You Upgrade? I'm pleased to have both Paul Hacker and our new co-host, Martin Woodward, and myself. I'm Mickey Gousset, and we're glad to be here, and we'll kick this podcast off. Hi, guys. Hey, Mickey. How are you today, sir? Martin, how are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you. I've, I've just caught a little cold, though. I've been was at a children's party at the weekend there for my, for my son, so... Uh, yeah, little bags of viruses that they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Now, if you'll remember, Paul Paul and I hosted the first podcast back a couple of weeks back, and we've now added Martin, our contingent from across the seas over in Ireland. And I'd like to take a moment to allow all three of us to kind of introduce ourselves so you know who we are. But before I do that, I'd like to throw out a couple of things for you that I'll keep throwing out throughout the show. If you want to provide us any kind of feedback or have any kind of questions, you can email us at radiotfs at gmail.com. And the new RSS feed for the podcast is feeds.feedburner.com slash radiotfs. Just want to throw those out there before I forgot about it. So what's going on, guys? Not much, Mickey. Um, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Paul Hacker. I am a Microsoft MVP with the Team System product. Uh, this is my first year as a TFS MVP, but definitely not my first year as an MVP um, coming over from the C-sharp world. Uh, and I am very passionate about TFS. Um, I've been working with it since it was in a beta product. Um, I've done implementations of it and training on it. And currently I have my own consulting company that uh, focuses on Team Foundation Server. I also happen to publish a monthly newsletter, which people may be interested in, which is called the TFS Times at tfstimes.com, uh, along with doing the podcasts here with uh, my fellow co-hosts. And I am located in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, out here in the cold Midwest. It's a little little chilly today, but uh, better than most. And um, that's pretty much, much it about me. So um, I'm Martin Woodward, as you can tell uh, from my accent. I'm from... Uh, the sunny England, and it's actually quite sunny over here at the minute. I actually live in uh, Northern Ireland, and it's uh, beautiful weather today. Um, I work for um, a company called TeamPrize. Uh, we do the, the cross-platform integration to Team Foundation Server. So that gives me the privilege of um, working under the covers quite a lot, seeing how the product really hangs together, you know, looking at bits and bytes across the network, that sort of thing. Um, when I'm not doing that, I'm a team system MVP as well. I've uh, been using the product now for ooh, a few years since um, early betas of, uh, Visual, of Visual Studio Team System 2005, those sorts of things. I like to say as well, I'm, I'm the only team system MVP that um, that is actually a full-time Java developer at the minute. So there we go. That's pretty cool. And I'm Mickey Gousset. I'm also a team system MVP. All three, all three hosts today are team system MVPs. I've been an MVP from the get-go since 2005. I work for Notion Solutions. I do team system consulting a lot. Based a lot of my stuff I do is based around training and whatnot. I also run TeamSystemRocks.com, which is my community website where I blog about team system and try to aggregate other information for people about team system. And I have a book out, Professional Team Foundation Server. So I guess from all of this, you can gather that. Either we know what we're talking about, or we think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> so, hey, are you um, are you doing any um, talks or anything coming up, Mickey? Well, I have one or two that I can't say for sure if I'm doing yet or not because I don't. I have not heard back. I was scheduled to talk in Huntsville at the Huntsville User Group, but I had to to 
delay that because I'll be at the MVP Summit in April. So any of the MVPs that are out there listening, if you're going to be at the MVP Summit in April, make sure you come look us up. Maybe we'll have time to actually maybe record a little something for the show. But otherwise, I don't have any major talks coming up. I know I'll be at the MVP Summit in April. I'll be at TechEd in Orlando this June. And I'll actually be at the Memphis.net user group tomorrow night. Should be good. How about you, Paul? You run a user group, don't you? Uh, yes, I do, Martin. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, I was thinking about that. I uh, run in Indianapolis. I run a team foundation server. I actually, it's a special interest group, similar to a user group, but it's a little less formal. Um, this month, I'm actually going to be talking over the Visual Studio 2008 power tools, and I'm going to demo um, a lot of the command line utilities along with the power tools themselves and kind of show them off. Uh, hopefully, my uh, my uh, user base will, will, will be excited about that. Um, other than that, I don't have any – well, I do have a talk coming up in uh, March. I'm talking at IndiePass, which is the Indianapolis SQL Server user group, and I'm going to be doing a uh, one-hour demo of DB Pro and the power tools that just came out for DB Pro. So that ought to be interesting. And then uh, hopefully I'll be involved with the launch events that are taking place in the Midwest as, lo- as well as hopefully at TechEd doing some type of um, Ask the Experts or something to that effect, uh, nothing major, but uh, – that's about it for right now. How about you, Martin? Oh, I'll, um, I'm I'm actually uh, toning things down a bit this year. We've got our second uh, second baby due um, at the end of April there, so uh, keeping things quiet. I've got I'm, I think I'm involved. Yeah, I'm doing the launch uh, uh, the Irish launch event on March the 11th. I'll be talking at that. Um, but that's about me, really. Nice and quiet, no traveling. And I'm skipping the MVP Summit. I'm afraid to say, guys, I won't be able to join you there because uh, the MVP Summit is due the same is due the same week as my baby. <laughs> and it, it was a matter of prioritizing. And I'm afraid the baby would. So, do you get uh, free Guinness at the Ireland launch event? Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Microsoft don't condone any of that behavior. The last launch event I went to actually was, um, you know, the uh, it was a Office and Vista and those those ones. And um, uh, Neil Armstrong spoke. I got to got to see Neil Armstrong speak. You know, the man what went to the moon. It was amazing. It was really good. It was a, oh, really? Kind of he cut. spoke at the that's Vista kind of... and Office launch event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm here to speak about launch event. I know a little bit about launches. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Uh-huh. He was just such <laughs> a nice guy. I mean, he doesn't... I. Um, last year when we went, you know, TechEd last year, it's out in Florida, same as this year. And um, we went out to uh, the uh, Space Center uh, to, to see that because it was a shuttle launch the same week. So went to see that, had a look around, had a tour around the, uh, you know, the Space Center part. I was talking to one of the tour guides, you know, who d- does a lot of work there. And she was saying, oh, yeah, she gets to meet and blah, blah, blah. She's met all these people. But she's never, never met Neil Armstrong. And I was like, oh, I have. <laughs> he's a nice guy that's cool <laughs> yeah. so that's pretty hard. anyway I'm sure that's not what, what are we supposed to be talking about today I'm sure it's not well we're we're supposed to be talking about Team Foundation Server 2008 first thing I want to jump into is is we're going to talk about kind of what's new in it but first off let's just answer the question that a lot of people ask is should they upgrade so Paul what do you think should people upgrade or not well, I I strongly believe, and they should upgrade uh, this, and not just for the fact that uh, oh, it's new and 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 you should be uh, with the latest and greatest, but just because of the fact that there are so many new features with the 2008 that it's definitely worth upgrading to. So if you're on 2005, 
you're going to want to upgrade to 2008 to take advantage of a lot of the new features that are available. And if you're on the fence about, um, like uh, in Indianapolis, we're kind of behind the times. We we are late adopters to technology, so a lot of the folks that I talk to haven't yet adopted 2008. Uh, or 2005 for that matter. Um, so I'm suggesting to them to just jump right on to 2008. Don't even consider 2005 at this point now that 2008's out. Um, but I would suggest that anybody who's really seriously using the product to strongly consider upgrading to 2008 on, on the, on the server side, at least to start with, and then, and then go to the clients after that, um, as, as need be. So that's, that's where I stand on that one. I have to agree. Um, I mean, when, when 2008 came out, you know, we got our hands on the first copies of the betas and things. Um, we we pointed uh, the version of Team Prize at it, you know, just to see just to see what what was broke, if anything. And and nothing was broke. We didn't need to recompile. The 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 guys at Microsoft have done you know so much work in terms of backwards compatibility, so that um, Visual Studio 2005 clients can connect into Team Foundation Server 2008 and, and not know that they were talking to a brand new server. You know, they can they just get all the benefits of all the performance improvements. So uh, it's a, it's a no brainer, really. The only area where there's a little bit of um, compatibility issues is around the build stuff. But as you guys mentioned in the last episode, there's so much you know goodness in the build but if anyone's serious about doing builds with team foundation server then they should really be using uh, tfs 2008 anyway because you know it's just got so much more functionality around that area so and, and people should be aware that they don't need to they can upgrade the server and keep their clients as they are you know they can keep their 2005 clients it's not something you've got to you don't have to be rolling out dotnet three five projects to be able to run team foundation server 2008 it's completely separate Exactly, and I'll I'll round out this trio by also agreeing that you should upgrade. Where's the controversy? Because we should have some. We need some of the unsaid. No, there is no. There is no yeah. controversy. It's it's a it's a very. They've done a lot of bud fixes and a lot of behind the scenes things to make the application run better. We'll talk about the upgrade briefly in a little bit as far as what it involves, but it's a pretty simple upgrade. And like Martin pointed out as well, you can continue to use Visual Studio 2005. Or 2003, if you really wanted to, if you were using the MISCI client. So you don't have to upgrade your desktops just because you're upgrading the server to get all the benefits that you get with the server. So I, I think we're all in agreement that that you might you if you have the product, you might as well go ahead and upgrade because you'll really reap some benefit from it. And I I'd like to throw a little bit of controversy into this talk for a second here. What if um. I, I happen to deal with a lot of, I'm not going to name the clients, but a lot of um, very large organizations that have very large implementations. In fact, they have like 10 stage rollouts of the product when they do use it here. So one of the questions that was brought to me was, um, you know, Microsoft, this is a question that was brought to me at the user group by some of these folks was Microsoft wants us to always be upgrading every few, every few years or every couple of years to these new products. They're releasing them so fast. Why can't we just wait for Rosario to come? And so so I'd like to hear what you folks think about that. If you're in a very large, like, say, uh, something of the size of a Dell or a, or an X, um, Exxon uh, Mobile or something huge um, where you have, like, these big rollouts, would you, would you bypass 2008 and just keep your eyes out for Rosario at this point? So just to be, just to be clear on that, um, 
Rosario is the code name for the next version of uh, Team Foundation Server that's coming out after this one. So even though this one hasn't officially launched yet, you know people have always got their eyes on eyes on the horizon. Uh, p- personally, um, no, <laughs> I would go to 2008. A couple of reasons. First of all, we've got no, you know, there's no clear. Microsoft don't even talk about Rosario yet. There's no real um, clear understanding as to when Rosario is going to come out. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so I I couldn't tell you when Rosario is going to come out. I wouldn't expect to see it anytime soon because we haven't even seen the first first betas yet, you know, and it it's normally a while after the first betas that we eventually see the product roll out. So I, I don't know how long you're going to be waiting if you wait. There's so many bug fixes and performance improvements in 2008. If it had been, if it wasn't for the build stuff that's in there, and all the power tool features, and we can talk about the features. You could probably, the actual, on the server side, you know, it could have got away. If it was called 2005 Service Pack 2, um, then there'd be no argument about upgrading to it at all. And uh, and it, it's, in terms of performance improvements, it's huge. And then you've got all this new build functionality, which I think you've got to use. So, yeah, I would say not to wait for the next release and go for this one. And you can guarantee from 2008 there'll be a nice upgrade path into Rosario when Rosario comes along. But the upgrade path from 2005 direct to Rosario, I wouldn't be, you know, I don't I don't know how much effort that's going to get. I would, and I'll, let me jump in here, and I would also say that, yes, for a big company, I would go ahead and upgrade, because if you're dealing with a big company like an like an Exxon or something like that, then chances are they're hitting some of the performance issues that 2008 fixes, because they, they're probably pouring a bunch of data through through their Team Foundation server. So I think for the bug fixes and the performance improvements, they should upgrade, and Martin makes a very good point as far as being able to upgrade once Rosario comes out. This probably will be a lot smoother to go from 2008 to, to Rosario. Again, we don't know. We don't have a clue because none of that's even really been talked about. But that that's just our, our guess. And, and the other point I completely agree with is that who knows when Rosario will actually come out. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, that's some good answers. And, and, and I just kind of wanted to throw something out there because I get a lot of these types of questions. Martin brought up a good point, though, as he was talking was, you know, if this was called TFS 2005 SP2, um, you know, I've had people approach me and say that they feel like this edition isn't much, nothing more than really like a service pack rather than a major, major version change. And uh, I'd like to hear what your folks' thought, because my thought is, is that it is, a, there's a big deal. This is more than a service pack. But I, I get people in my group asking me, this seems like a service pack to me and Microsoft's trying to get us to buy a service pack. And and so I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, this is Mickey. I'll jump in first. Well, what, to see what all is in to Team Foundation Server 2008, go to shrinkster.com slash U-V-Z. That's shrinkster.com slash U-V-Z. And that will take you to a blog post from Brian Harry that lists all of the features that are in Team Foundation Server 2008. And when you start scrolling down and looking through all of the features, yes, some of the features are just the power tools from 2005 rolled in, but some of the features are are brand new stuff and a lot of stuff that people have been asking for. And I think by the time you finish perusing through this list, you can't really say that this is just a service pack anymore. And it's good as well that the power tools have been, you know, incorporated into, um, into the full 
product now, you know, and you've got that full support lifecycle on those tools. Because some of these power tools are, you know, are, are vital to the to some of the things you do. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's it, it's a little bit un, unfair to the team to call it just a service pack. You know what I mean? It is a proper full release. It's obviously, um, yeah, it's it's a definite, you know consolidation release where they've um looked at what needs improving from the first release and you know tweaked a few bits when we say they've improved the performance i have to say uh, i haven't run into that you know i've worked with some of the biggest deployments of team foundations over in the world and i haven't seen anyone outside of microsoft really bang the head on some of these before <laughs> performance things they talk about it, it, it scales to ridiculous numbers you know so uh but it's it's definitely good and the build stuff alone to me is is worth the uh, cost of upgrade which for most people they're already paying anyway because they buy team foundation server with software assurance so you might as well get it yeah right okay so so tell me paul if what what do you, what, what are the features that that you like out of team foundation server 2008 because there's a ton of new features and a ton of, you know, updated features, that kind of thing. But what is it that really gets you going? You know, um, I, I'm asked this question often, and uh, uh, it's funny how it changes. There's so much. It's hard to say that one thing is so – or these three things are so great. But if I were to pick my top three, I'd have to say that I think um, – I really like the fact that the performance tools now have the ability to do some comparisons. So, for example, uh, if I'm a developer, I can run the performance tools and I can get um, what they consider a baseline of performance for my application. Then as I'm making changes to my application, I can run that performance test again and actually compare it to my original baseline. And I can see performance increases, decreases, and it'll actually show me where um, where I'm doing poorly and where I'm doing better um, as I'm developing the application. So I think that for itself is is a really cool feature. Uh, the other feature I like is the fact that um, you have the code metrics built in now. I've been always wanting code metrics, um, as, uh, again, from a developer point of view, and I'm looking at this from a development point of view, um, uh, the fact that I can um, now get things like cyclomatic complexity and I can get um, uh, see, look at my inheritance and see how far down my inheritance is running. So I can do a lot of um, uh, some, some neat metrics that I can get with that as a developer. So I can see how, as I'm developing the application, am I, you know, am I heading off course here? Do I need to kind of be watching what I'm doing? Um, you know, uh, and again, just makes for building quality software from the start, which again is what the product's really all about for me is how to develop better software. Um, and the one, um, the one last feature I would have to say is probably the enhancements to the database professional edition in terms of the power tools. I I've had a chance over the weekend to look at those as I get ready for this talk next month. And, um, I was really impressed with some of the tools, especially the data plan wizard, which allows me to, if you're not familiar with it, um, uh, first off, go out and Google or, or Microsoft search the, um, uh, the power tools for DB Pro. But um, I find the, uh, that you can now have this wizard to generate data generation plans and pull data in from uh, other, other sources. So, for example, if I had production data and I wanted to just use that data, I could actually use this wizard to build that and then make some changes to things like social security numbers or credit card numbers to protect privacy uh, and, and be able to pull in all that data and use it as part of my, my, um, my development, my, my testing plan now. So I found that to be pretty cool along with the rest of the database tools. But those right there are, are really tools that, um, that get me fired up. 
for me, I'm I'm probably more uh, team foundation server orientated. So I think we've already mentioned uh, the the build stuff. Um, yeah, significantly improved, and you you guys spoke a lot about that last time, so I'm not going to that too much. But um, one of the things, the builds giving you the ability to do continuous integration. Uh, one of the problems you get once you start to do continuous integration is you get you know you get huge numbers of builds building up, and there's just thousands of them because you get one for every check. So um, the thing I like is all the stuff they've put in around build management. That's fairly unique to Team Foundation Server. So you've got um, the ability to uh, right-click on a build and you know delete it in the UI. Previously, that was a command line client. Now you can just delete it in the user interface, and that deletes all the you know all the bits associated with the build. They've also got the ability to uh, set up retention policies for the build, so you can say, hey, um, I want this build to, uh, I want the last ten uh, successful builds and you know the last three failed builds and that sort of thing and that helps you automatically you know manage those builds make sure a space on disk doesn't get too huge uh well i mentioned that but you have the ability in the build ui to just right click on any build and say keep forever and then that way if you don't want if you don't want that particular build to drop off automatically then it will stay there and that's what we do once uh, at team prize once we do a build that we release into our our testing environment that might then become a you know production build if it passes everything um we set the keep forever flag on it and that way we know that build's not going to disappear um and we can go through the testing environment and once it gets released you know that that build will stay kept forever and uh, we can access those binaries at any point in time to see see what our customers have installed on that, that sort of thing uh, on the version control side, uh, it, we, this was one of the power tools in 2005, but now it's baked into the product, and that's um, the recursive folder compare. The number of times I, I used that feature, you know, I kind of forgot it was a, it wasn't in the core product in 2005, but it was a power tool just because um, use, you know, use it for everything. I use it to compare two folders in source control to, co- to compare, say, a branch in the mainline, you know, just to see what's changed, what's different. Or I use it between two dates on the same bit of code in the repository to see what happened between two particular changes, you know, across the whole repository. Or uh, between two labels, you know, what what exactly was changed between two two particular builds in time. So, yeah, I use that a lot. And then uh, I think Paul mentioned the power tools earlier on there. And uh, in the server, the... In 2008, they gave the capability to do uh, destroy, uh, both in terms of version control. Um, you know, people really want to delete stuff <laughs> sometimes, uh, especially people like these games developers or people checking in, you know, two gigabyte resources into Team Foundation Server. Well, if they delete them, they actually want to be able to delete, you know, the binary file associated with it. Normally, with a source control system, it just marks it as deleted rather than actually destroying them. So in version control, you've got destroy, but also in work item tracking, there is the destroy capability. That can only be accessed via the Team Foundation Server 2008 power tools. But you can uh, you can actually not just mark a work item as closed, but if you really wanted to pretend it had never existed you could mark you could destroy that if you had the uh, suitable privileges so uh yeah they're, they're probably my top three how about you mickey well my top three i would have to start off with team system web access now team system web access was available for tfs 2005 as well but it got it got revamped decently for 2008 because it provides you access to 
basically everything in, in your Team Foundation server, but, but through a web browser. So you can access work item tracking, you can access version control, you can access reports, you can access build information. All of that information can be accessed from Team System Web Access. Now, Team System Web Access doesn't is not installed by default. You have to go download it and install it, but it's a free download. So if you're running Team Foundation Server 2008, there's really no reason not to install this product and use some of its capabilities. This, my, my second item that I really like is there's support for named SQL instances. This was a uh, issue for a lot of people with Team Foundation Server 2005 because Team Foundation Server 2005 required you to install to the default instance of SQL Server. So it made it really difficult to share out your SQL Server, use one SQL Server to su support multiple things. Because Team Foundation Server 2008 supports named instances now, you can now use one SQL Server to support multiple instances of TFS or support other applications as well as your Team Foundation Server. This this was, as Brian mentions on his, um, when he lists these lists of features, this is one of the most commonly requested things that came out of 2005. And the final thing I like, which I haven't used much yet, but I'm exploring more, is Team Foundation Server 2008 has better support for offline work. So if you have to work on files that are that are in the version control system while you're offline, there's better support for, for synchronization and, and getting yourself hooked back up and getting everything synced back up appropriately. I'd forgotten about that one. That's that's really uh, that works really well. The online capability, you know, when you go back online again, that's actually works pretty neat. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, we're interested in what the listeners out there are some of the features that they like in Team Foundation Server 2008. So, if you've got features that you just really love, features you just really hate, or things that you think are missing that you think should have been there, send us an email and tell us what they are at radiotfs at gmail dot com. And we'll mention all those on an on an upcoming episode. So hey guys, one of the things we um we haven't mentioned is how much the uh the install experience has got better in two thousand eight. You know, two thousand five was known for being reasonably painful. <laughs> I think we'll all agree. Which is what you know, why why you guys earn lots of money uh, installing it for people, I guess. But yeah. Um two thousand and eight made the job a lot easier, hasn't it? Yeah, the um the 2008 installer is just it's so so easy to work with. And what I like about the installer is the fact that uh, in 2005 I had to use the accounts that were created for me which was TFS setup, TFS reports. Now you have the option to select like a network service account or you can you can define your own account for some of the services. So I like that little piece in there where I, I have a little bit of control over what account I want to use. Um, so I don't have to necessarily create some, some extra accounts if, if I don't want to for some of the features. Um, but the, the whole upgrade experience, um, I haven't physically done a full upgrade of anybody from 2005 to 2008. But everything I've read about it and everything that I've talked to people about who have done it, um, I actually found it to be quite easy. It was a very simple process. Um, now some, some people I know, um, myself included, I was going to try and just do the install over 2005. Some people told me you need to uninstall it. So I'm kind of not sure I was going to try both and see if there was any difference in what happened. I thought you could just install the 2008 right over to 2005 and, and you'd be good to go. But again, I haven't physically done that myself yet. So I'm not sure. Maybe you folks have some more experience with that than I do. Read the installation guide. <laughs> the, inst no. the installation the installation guide recommends uninstalling to 
Team Foundation Server 2005 before you install 2008. And that's, that's what, just that's, insta- that's just uninstalling it on the application tier, isn't it, Mickey? You keep the database is where everything's stored in TFS, so that's correct. how it all works. Correct. So you don't touch the database tier. You just uninstall the application tier and then just install 2008, and it will automatically update your your data tier for you and the installation process going that route is just smooth. I've I've talked to a couple of people that did do the the just over just install on top of Team Foundation Server 2005, and that always seemed they said led them to a problem or two. So, but so my recommendation would be to to, to do an uninstall of 2005 and then install 2008. So we we did that. I mean, we when we upgraded our production instance, we we you know we followed the install instructions and we uninstalled 2005, installed 2008. Um, the only issue we have is uh, obviously when you do the upgrade, it upgrades all the builds for you and everything upgrades the database. But the SharePoint instance is um, kept the same, kept as a you know it's kept as a SharePoint two uh, level portal. And I know that when I installed Team Foundation Server two thousand and eight on a clean box, that SharePoint you know WSS three was installed, and that's a lot nicer. You know it seemed a lot easier to code against. Has anyone managed to get the portal upgraded or know anything about that? I have not tried to do the upgrade yet. I have talked to, or several of my coworkers have done upgrades, whether they've upgraded to Windows SharePoint Services 3 or they've upgraded to using a SharePoint portal server. And in most cases, it seems to have worked fine. Every once in a while, they run into to a, a, an issue. But I can't really speak to it because I've not completely tried it myself. But they'd have been following just the install instructions there, would they? They didn't do any, there's no special voodoo. No, no, they just follow what's in the guide. Okay, cool. I might give it a try. Yeah, and I, I have to say, even with 2005, if I followed the install instructions, um, I, all the way back to the betas, I did not have a problem installing TFS. I, I, I've ran into people, and, and you guys have probably seen it in the forums or, you know, with clients you've dealt with, you know, problems with the install. And, and 95% of all the problems I found with the install that people had came from the fact that they failed to read the instructions properly or... Um, what I found is they thought that, you know, they've installed SQL a bunch of times before. What's different about it in TFS? Or they've installed SharePoint services before. What's different about it in TFS? You know, which there are different things, as you know, but um, you'd have to read the install guide to see that. So um, I must say that I really am happy with the install guides that they've given out so far in terms of doing any kind of upgrading or installing or anything like that. I have a confession, actually, guys. For the... Uh... 2008 installs it's got to the point now where actually no need to follow the instructions that's how that's how bet that's how much better the installer is <laughs> i can just i just run it you know and it just works so uh that's pretty cool the um i have seen a few problems where people in 2005 tfs liked to own all its infrastructure it liked to own the sharepoint site and liked to own the database server and uh, people were trying to get it to fit in with existing corporate infrastructure and that didn't really you know Work, gel very well but with all the stuff they've done a lot of stuff in 2005 to make that better you know like with the sql server named instances those sorts of things so it's all good i got a question um about the install and maybe um it sounds like one of you two probably could answer the question is when you uninstall now i don't know maybe it says it in the install guide again i haven't looked through it because i haven't done one yet but on the upgrade do i have to also uninstall team explorer 2005 and install Team Explorer 2008, or can I continue to use 2005, and will it give me the same context menus and things I would expect with Team Explorer 2008? 
so I could answer that one. Um, you don't have to install Team Explorer 2005 at all. Um, you know, you can use Team Explorer. So Team Explorer is the plugin into the Visual Studio or the standalone client that's a Visual Studio thing that talks to TFS. You can use the TFS one just fine to talk to TFS 2008. However, if you want all the um, all of the menu options that 2008 can give you and all of the um, administration around builds, you know, that's new in 2008, then you do need to install Team Explorer 2008. And that will, that will either um, integrate into a Visual Studio 2008 instance you have on your box. So you can run the side-by-side, you know, uh, Visual Studio 2005 and Visual Studio 2008. Team Explorer will either install into an existing Visual Studio 2008 thing on the box or it'll put an empty visual studio 2008 shell in just put in the team explorer bits and then if you install uh the full version of team suite 2008 or something at a later point you then you know that would arrive in your visual studio 2008 icon the side by side um the side by side thing works just fine they do a lot of testing of those you know so you can run yeah sorry mickey oh no that's okay i was just gonna agree with you yes it 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 Team Foundations over 2005 or Team Explorer 2005 2008 works side by side. One thing to to point out for some people because this was actually a gotcha that got me is that Team Explorer 2005 only integrates into Visual Studio 2005. So if you have Visual Studio 2008, if you want the Team Explorer integration, you have to install Team Explorer 2008. And that's even if you're talking to a 2005 server. That's what people often don't get. Correct. Mm, okay, that's that's an interesting tidbit. Great. Well, mm, any other gotchas or information on the upgrade that we think that these people should uh, know about? Back up your database before you start. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes without saying. I would I would think. You would think. If we're jotting down points of things to talk about in future episodes, one thing we should talk about is um, after you've installed TFS, the jobs you should go and then put in your SQL Server, you know, to do backups and to to flat, you know, to clear the logs out and that sort of thing. Just because people, quite often, people install a TFS instance on proper SQL Server, you know, DBAs, and they don't realize they've got to do these things. So, there's a little. I have added that to the list. Nice one. Okay, sorry. We can we can move along now. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we had actually someone email us. Someone named. Rosie, we have a listener. Rosie Reyes. <laughs> I can't pronounce your name. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. He's an MVP, and he actually emailed us, told us that he he listened to the podcast, thought it was really cool, told Carl Franklin to beware. Um, he made a couple of suggestions for for what he might like to hear in the podcast, and one of the suggestions he made was to have a section where we have a brief question and answer section where we answer questions from the listeners so if you've got questions for us about anything team foundation server team system anything team system related email those questions to us at radio tfs at gmail.com and hopefully we'll get your email read on the podcast and we'll see if we can answer it so since we didn't have any listener questions we kind of came up with some questions of our own and i'll let paul kick us off All right. Well, the first question I have here, and this is something that was a gotcha for me, was um, why do I still see red X's in the documents and reports directory when I'm logging into TFS remotely? That means I'm on the client and I'm logging into the server via the um, Team Explorer. Um, I still get the red X's on the documents and reports directories, and I'm logging in with my TFS admin account. So, for example, TFS setup. Why do I still see those red X's? Okay. Uh 
Can I, I'll take that one, Mickey. That's take okay. it, Martin. So there's two there's two reasons, two main reasons why you see red X's. If you see the red X's mean there's been a problem when it's trying to talk to that particular web service. Um, and if you're talking about um, the documents and the reports nodes, is that what you saw the red X's on, Paul? Correct. Yeah. So the documents and the reports nodes, there's two main cases where you get um, red X's there. One's either with security. Now, um, as you as you guys know, that uh, when you, one of the first things you do when you create a team project is you have to give permissions to people to access that team project, and the permissions aren't just within TFS; uh, they're also in you know SharePoint and in the reporting server. Um, and that if you read the actual the M, the MSDN um, instructions on you know user administration are pretty decent, but a lot of people get confused, you know. I think you'll agree as to permissions because you have to manage them in these three places. Now you said there though that it's TFS admin and and also as you're a TFS MVP, I wouldn't have uh, put you down for the schoolboy error that would be the permissions thing. So um, was this a was this a VMware image or anything? Was this a virtual PC image or something like that? Uh, no, it was actually just a um, uh, an install on a client um, on my local machine and then um, talking to a well actually it was talking to a virtual um, uh-huh. TFS server. So yes, yeah. there it was virtualized. And we and were you connecting to it via the IP address? Were you? Yes, I was. <laughs> there you go. So uh, what what that is? Um, so I said there's two reasons. One is permissions. The other one is connectivity. When it can't connect back to t- you know to to those web services, you might think I've just connected to TFS to be able to see you know to be able to see my Team Explorer at all. Um, but actually, uh, if you remember, you can put SharePoint, you can put on a different server and you can also, you could optionally, you know, put it on a different server. You can also have the reporting services stuff served from a different server. And so what TFS does when you connect, um, when you connect in, it actually sends back to the client, Hey, when you want to talk to SharePoint, use this fully qualified address. Um, and, it would take it as the address that it when it was installed. So you, you know you install, you've got your virtual PC name called TFS two thousand and eight TFS server whatever you've called it, and it would send back TFS HTTP colon slash slash TFS two thousand eight two thousand eight slash sites as where to go for SharePoint or for reporting services. It would say TFS two thousand eight slash reporting server something like that. So it's um, if you were to go into your a short way event for just virtual PC stuff. If you want, if you go into your hosts file and you're on your on your you know the client machine and you put an entry in your hosts file to, so that it can um, recognize the name it will have used to connect to TFS, you put that in the host file and link that to the IP address, and then it, it it'll just work for you there. Where a lot of people get this problem as well, and I know Mickey's probably got more experience with this than me, is when, is accessing Team Foundation Server over the internet and you're trying to use um, a fully qualified domain name to talk to it and actually uh hang on a minute a guy called mike glazier did a good uh blog post let me let me just shrinks to this url uh so that'll be shrinkster.com slash uh v o d victor zero delta um yeah so that that basically tells you what you need to do is uh, if you want to change the urls that the server reports back so the server rather than reporting back an internal address tfs 2008 you want it to get to report back tfs 2008 dot 
notionsolutions.com or teamprize.com, then you have to actually make sure the server's updated. And there's a couple of ways. To, there's a, a tool called tfsreg.exe, um, which is a command line tool, which allow you can adjust those things. Or it might gives you tells you how to do it. There is actually this is one instance where um, you you could, if you wanted to, go and look at SQL and edit the table directly. Now that's something I normally would strictly uh, oppose anyone doing because um, there's so much stuff that goes on in these tables in TFS. You should really never ever open them up in SQL Server. Um, but this is one case where I think it's the integration table. I think Mike's blog would post. I think should, yeah. Um, that you can edit that table and just go in and change the URLs that it talks to there, and you make sure that you also update the um, the SharePoint administration um, URL because the SharePoint administration lives on a different port, you know, seventeen five oh what something or other. And if you need to update that as well, otherwise people won't be able to create new team projects. All right, well that's a great answer, Martin. A little long winded, but that that explains everything in good detail for. For, for people because I, I've run in that too quite often um, when I'm out in the field and, and personally I ran into that. So I appreciate your answer. Thank you. No problem. The next question we have is will Team System Web Access 1.0 still work with Team Foundation Server 2008 and Team Explorer 2008? Well, my initial reaction would be why install Team System Web Access 1.0 when you could install Team System Web Access 2.0, which we know works with Team Foundation Server 2008. And works great. And it works great. But I honestly don't know if you tried to install the 2005 version of Team System Web Access if it would work or not. Well, I was going to say no, it won't. Um, because you need 2005 Team Explorer to work with 1.0. And with 2.0, you need Team Explorer 2008. And the reason I pose this question is because um, I remember working with a client who it was a nail-biter just to get them to... Um, install the web access. Once they installed it, they didn't want to have to go back and now upgrade it just because 2008 came out. They didn't want to mess with that. They were really opposed to the web access in the first place, but they begrudgingly installed it. So that's why that question was posed was now that they have 2008, they don't want to have to go and mess with reinstalling web access 2.0 and managing all that um, because they really didn't want it in the first place. Wow. So... I'd even do the converse of that, which um, it would be perfectly acceptable, as far as, as as far as I'm aware, it would work great, is to have uh, Web Access 2008 with Team Explorer 2008 pointing at a Team Foundation Server 2005 server instance. And the Web Access 2 is just so much better in terms of performance and you know use of Ajaxes type stuff and those sorts of things. So. Oh, I, I agree. I agree 100%. I'll let Paul take the next question then. Okay. Um... Will there be a newer version of the Power Tools released for TFS 2008? Well, there have been actually. Um, the there is a new um, the new version of the TFS Power Tools that have some really cool uh, new features uh, added to them. And um, I don't know if you folks have used them, but one of them was the work item templates was one of the options. The other one, um, of course, was the uh, uh, the temp, uh, the template editor, I believe, for the um, work item templates, um, process or the process customization editor. The build notification tool is my favorite power toy. I use that every single day. It tells me when my builds have failed. You know, I get a little pop up that pops up in my system tray. Uh, that's a really good little tool. I liked the work item templates because 
if I remember correctly, that was that was just the if you're filling out a bunch of work items that are basically the same, it basically helps you speed through filling out your work items. When I <laughs> when I first heard, sorry, I'm having to be sorry. When I first heard that one proposed, I knew instantly where that feature request would come from because um, most people try and do what they can to make their work items as sensible as they can. But if you've ever had the pleasure of seeing Microsoft's work items <laughs> that they use internally, they're just the most complicated work items you've ever seen. We actually use them as a test case for <laughs> for team eyes because they're just so complicated and there's so much data it needs to fill out. So I'm guessing internally they were like, oh, guys, we've got to have this feature. And so we just somebody went off and wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I was I, I saw and actually they have a, um, a how do I a um, little five minute video on that topic. And I watched it and I kept thinking to myself is. Um, you know, isn't that what Excel was for? The Excel integration piece was for managing and, and creating work items in bulk. So what what benefit was the template? I mean, I, I watched the video and I saw the value of it, but my first reaction, and I think a lot of people's reaction might be, what's wrong with using the bulk piece in, in Excel? Nothing if that works for you, but I think this is a way, a way that you can create individual work items and just pre, you know, pre-fill a bunch of uh data into them if you need to but if you can if you can architect your work items so you don't need that level of complexity is what i would prefer but you know not everyone can do that obviously they've got the processes that they have to follow sure right guys <laughs> hey um we're all i think probably uh interested in the architecture tools is there has there been anything that's come along in the 2008 release uh that's improved matters i well, personally, I like the architect tools. I know a lot of people don't. There are shortcomings. Uh, I mean, they they are what they are. Let's just leave it at that. But I like the architect tools. And I think, um, I don't know that there's really anything new in 2008. I haven't seen anything really new yet. But um, I really like what the tools do. Uh, and, and I think that there's a huge area for improvement here. But I think once Microsoft gets it, once they get that architect tools and, and they have things like sequence diagrams and more UML-ish type things going on there where you're doing true architecture tools um, and be able to do true architecture with the product, I think it's going to be a fantastic product. But I still like the tools as they sit today. I, I mean, they are what they are and what they do, but I still like them. Well, I want to again remind our listeners we're gonna. This is supposed to be the listener question section. So if you've got any questions regarding Team System at all, it doesn't have to be Team Foundation Server related, or if you really want to be brave and send us any questions at all, then you can email us at radiotfs at gmail dot com. And we're gonna. We haven't decided on our our schedule of how quick, how much we're going to try to do the podcast what we are going to try to get on a, a semi regular schedule we'll let you know what that is once once we know martin is going to be our permanent third co-host so you'll be hearing from paul martin and myself pretty regularly we hope all right everyone have a great day